Welcome to the Traveler's Blueprint. Start designing your next adventure. Welcome TTB community. I am Bob Demena, and here with me as always is the extremely conscientious Elliot Shibley. Uh, thank you very much for that, Bob. You're welcome. As today's episode is the Travel Bites episode, we will not have a trivia question at the end and we will not be revealing the answer to last week's trivia question. But if you are tuning in for the first time, we are now doing trivia questions for guest episodes only. And if you get them right, you have an opportunity to win stickers. Shoot us an email at thetravelersblueprint at gmail.com. And that can be found on our website, Instagram, Facebook, or most of our other social media accounts. And as it's that time of year to shop, and you're starting to buy gifts, an easy way to support us when shopping is go to our affiliates page, click on our Amazon affiliates link. And if you do that, anything you purchase sends us a bit of change. And we really appreciate that. We do indeed. All right. So today, I think we have about 14 different stories that we're going to bring to you. Uh, we're going to start you off with two involving the current uh, U.S. administration and what they're doing, their plans for our public lands and how they're tackling uh, climate change. Only two, right in the beginning, we're going to just jump in, get them out of the way, and then move on from that. We try to not be too political on the show. Um, we are going to break down some of the best dates to avoid traveling or you know, dates that you should be traveling this holiday season. It is going to be a hectic, very crowded holiday season, so be prepared. We're going to follow, follow up on a previous story that we brought to you on the Airbnb Antarctica sabbatical. They've selected a few people to do this trip, and we're going to break that down a little bit further. And then we have something exciting regarding Megabus and their free giveaway of tickets that you should be thinking about right now as you're listening. And we'll get into an article about how you could potentially be hacked through public USB ports at airports and other public locations. And then we talk about a woolly mammoth death pit that was discovered in Mexico. And lastly, we'll get into the age-old travel question. It's not really that old, only since commercial flights. But is it okay to recline your seat on an airplane? Yes, it is, right? Do you agree? I will wait. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's just jump into it then. Um, this first article that we are going to talk about involves the Trump administration and their final, you know, removal of or from the Paris Climate Agreement. They're finally pulling out officially. And really what this tells us is that this current administration is just putting um, more into industrial productivity than long-term sustainable uh, growth. Growth, yeah. It, it, it's it's short-sighted. It's really very, yeah, it is. It's, it's, just, it's very simple when you think about it. There's not money to be made in putting regulations on businesses that pollute. In fact, it harms them because they then have to pay or change their business practices to be able to, to admit um, these pollutants into the atmosphere, to dump them into an adjoining stream, something like that. So what this does is uh, he's just trying to relax um, these regulations for business growth. I mean, that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's all it is. And 200 other nations will still remain in the Paris Climate Agreement. And if anything, it, it, looks, it makes the U.S. look bad. Well, we're the only industrialized country to not be in it. Yeah. And, and it's, a, it's essentially a, a regression in the advancement of our society and how people perceive us. Yeah, it's short term, um, I think, for us. But it's really sad to be a member of the United States right now and then see us taking a step backwards instead of forwards and not keeping pace with the rest of the world as they try to figure this out. Yeah. And that was uh, Lisa Friedman wrote that article for The New York Times back in early November. 
Okay. The, the next one is our second and only other Trump article. Um, I don't really. Trump's administration. Yeah, this one really doesn't. Right. It doesn't have to do too much with Trump and really just his administration. They're just figuring out ways to monetize on the public park system. They're throwing around the ideas of putting food trucks in there, allowing Amazon to deliver to people in there. I'm not even sure what that means. Um, And they're going to blanket the parks with Wi-Fi. This is something that we've touched on a few times now. We did it with Melissa, um, which will be released next week. And we've done it you know, we've talked about it several times. It's just a matter of them figuring out how to commercialize national parks to make more money. And I'm not a fan of it. I know no. I go to, when I go to national parks, I expect to be disconnected from the world. And that's why I go. I want to have that experience, separation, being in nature. It's the only place you can do that. I mean, we're, you're so jam-packed into this society just filled with, um, you know, activity online and you're, you're constantly connected busyness to be able to kind of deconnect and then just kind of venture out into the wilderness. Unless you have a ton of private land. Yeah. Yeah. But that's what most people use them for. And it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case any longer. I don't know. What I would do worry about is once they establish themselves, once corporations establish themselves in the national parks and they're making money and then that community or park is starts to rely on that income, you're never going to push them out. They're going to be in there forever. Yeah. And the next article then is uh, Jessica Puckett from Condé Nast. She is talking about all of these horrible travel dates that you should avoid traveling on. And if you don't have your travel plans ready, maybe you should think about when you're going to travel after you listen to this portion of it. Yeah. It, so what do we have? So we have the date of November 20th is no, being noticed as the worst day to travel. Well, right? that's past. I'm sorry. December 20th? December 21st is the busiest travel day leading up to Christmas. Okay. So that's going to be the worst one. And then following that, the 22nd and 23rd, um, it doesn't seem like anything after Christmas is going to be too bad, like any specific day, but they're all just going to be kind of a cluster. Um, But I'm traveling on the 22nd through Harrisburg to Orlando, and I'm hoping it's not going to be that bad since they're, well, Harrisburg is a smaller airport, but I don't know, flying back from Orlando on the 28th, where the 27th shouldn't, I'm hoping it's not awful. Good luck. They're they're saying about 41 million people are going to travel between December 19th and January 5th. That is an incredible number. So be prepared Uh, for longer lines. Give yourself a little bit more of a buffer. Exactly. Yeah. And if you haven't booked your tickets yet, don't hold out any further. I would jump on it. Yeah. I think they're going to only increase. Agreed. All right. This next one is the follow-up to the Airbnb Antarctica sabbatical where they reached out or they told people to reach out to them in order to collect a group of five people labeled as citizen scientists who will travel to Antarctica to aid in these research projects where they're going to study microplastics in the ice. Yep. So a total of 140,000 people applied and hoping some of them were you. And from 200 different countries and territories, which is just an astonishing amount of diversity and an astonishing number of people that applied. And the article talks about two American members, uh, Tinthia King, who is uh, a biology professor, assistant professor in Hawaii. And then Spencer Ingley is a 33-year-old assistant. Sorry, Spencer is the biology professor. No, 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 no. Yeah, you're correct. Spencer's the biology pr- professor. Tinthia yes. King is the loan officer from Phoenix, yes. Arizona. I so yeah, it's it's okay. You had two Americans, and then what? You had someone from Dubai, yep. um, India, and then Norway. 
So those five people are going to get to go on this expedition, work alongside actual researchers, and have what I'm assuming is going to be an incredible life uh, experience. Yep. Super jealous. And they'll be working with uh, scientist Christy Jones-Williams for 10 days sampling and measuring the presence of foreign microplastics in Antarctic ice. I'm looking forward to those results because I'm really curious about how we're impacting Antarctica, right? I mean, and if we're impacting Antarctica in any significant way, you can only imagine what we're doing to the oceans. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So the next article is brought to us by Jalisa Casterdale, Food and Wine. And it is about, it's very important to Bob because he was there, but it's the over tourism and the banning of new outdoor restaurants and certain souvenir stands in Dubrovnik, Croatia. Right. Yeah. So right now the city gets uh, 1.2 million people per year. And from what I remember when I was there, 50,000 people can visit per day into this very tiny walled-in ancient city. And it's just becoming unsustainable. The rocks themselves are becoming slippery because they're so worn out. And so what they're doing is... Um, they're going to limit the amount of souvenir stands and commercial operations. They're going to remove some of the outdoor seating and essentially make it to be more of a, an, you know, like a, a historical walkthrough rather than a place where you go and you spend time and you eat and you drink and you hang out. They're going to try to shuffle people in one door and out the other, almost like you like know Machu ride. Picchu. Like, I mean, like yeah. Machu Picchu in a way. And it's that seems to be one of the, the solutions that most of these major tourist attractions are relying upon in order to keep them, you know, preserve them long-term. Yeah. And what did, um, what did Jaleesa say? Yeah, I found this, I found this uh, pretty funny. So, so in her article, she says, it sounds like a drastic measure, but considering how many visitors Dubrovnik's permanent residents have had to contend with, it yeah. might be a welcomed one. And nobody needs to see another Game of Thrones travel picture anyway. Ouch. Yeah. Exactly. You shared you shared your Game of Thrones travel pictures too many times on our website. I'm pretty sure my brother-in-law, shout out to Dan Weaver, was like enough with the Game of Thrones pictures. Yeah, well, he's just is he even a fan? Is he a fan? Of- he is. All right. Well, whatever. I don't share him anymore. Yeah. Good. Yeah. He's happy. It's, it's just, Game of Thrones is a touchy subject now after season eight. It is. It is. All right. So the next one from Andrew Romano. Uh, on the 15th is this really cool we had a two weeks ago we had gary on who's doing all these new york city tours about subways about mafia about all these different things in new york city but now there's this tour of new york city in in a vintage car very cool from the 1920s there are 12 cars 1928 ford model ford model a uh 1932 chrysler imperial a chevy a Chevrolet Series AE. And the drivers are all trained and they actually stay in character through the ride in that era. And it's, I think it's really cool. And I think that surprised you, Bob, that I thought it was cool. It did. You're a walker. And so I just assumed that you would like walk to New York City from Harrisburg and then like spend the entire day walking around the city and then maybe like just like dream about walking or something. I don't know. Every time I hung out with you, you just really, really, really enjoy walking. I love but, it. I love yeah, what's interesting to me about this is it's how I envision the future of the automobile in general. As we see electric and autonomous vehicles come to fruition, I think that driving in a car as we see it today is going to become like a recreational activity similar mm-hmm. to this. You know, you're going to get and there into will like be a, professionals that are only allowed to have licenses. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Getting a, like, you know, maybe people will still like get in a limo driven by a driver to like their wedding because it's, you know, like a super special event. But other than that, um, cars as we know are gone. I think 
having an actual vehicle is going to be like a recreational activity. I could, I could envision like um, racetracks popping up all over the place and things like that. It's like going to the ice skating rink or yeah. you go to the racetrack and you, you drive a car like in the good old days. Yeah, like bumper cars, but real. Yes. Yeah, I think it's cool. Um, <clears throat> all right, so this, this next one is, is pretty big. It's something that um, influenced me a little bit. I, I'm going to Venice next year and they've had flooding worse this year than the past 50 years water was six feet higher than it typically is and now for those that may not know venice does flood every single year that's very normal but it's always a, to a certain height yeah right and now it increased significantly and it damaged i mean i think it was like billions of dollars worth of damage in st mark's square and the basilica it got into the catacombs so they're suffering from that they're contemplating installing a seawall to combat flooding yeah. um, i think that was proposed in like the early 2000s too it's just the sheer it? cost of it yeah like they're in they're inflatable inflatable concrete and metal walls that uh a balloon essentially lifts the wall out of the water to prevent flooding but i mean venice is an island and it's in a sound so it's it's really difficult the city is not going to be around as we know it today in 10 years i think that in 10 years time you're going to be able to tour it but it's going to be from a boat from the mainland you're just going to drive through all the canals and then maybe go back there's not going to it's not going to be a livable city anymore yeah i was there in 2013 in january and it was flooded at the time i was there i think it was like six to twelve inches of water in certain parts of the city and even now they have permanent catwalks throughout most of the main squares that that's where all of the tourists go and you actually shared a video recently didn't you of a guy walking with a selfie stick didn't even see the canal and just dropped right in. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It just yeah. fell right in. I don't know how he, he did not, did he forget that he was in about Venice? the canal while I, wading through water from an overflown canal? Is that what happened? I don't know. I don't know. Right. I don't know if he did it intentionally. No, I think he forgot. I mean, he just, he just couldn't see where the wall was to where the actual canal Draw. was because he was, you know, in, in knee high water. Yeah. So <laughs> All right, what do we have next? Next yeah. is an article by Kaylee Rizzo of Travel and Leisure. And Kaylee, thank you. You've been doing a lot of these articles that we've been reading through. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Kaylee Rizzo. Uh, and United Airlines is doing this thing called uplift payment flights. And so essentially you have the ability to pay off your flights in installments from three to 11 months. And I don't know, I like the idea of it, but I don't know how much I'm a fan of it because depending on the state of the individual's credit, they will be, there will be interest on the payments ranging from nine to 35%. Yeah. So you're still going to pay more for your flight, no matter what, if you do it in installments. And it just seems like it's eating the debt crisis. Well, it would be a matter of, you know, if you don't have the money to pay up front and you still want to purchase the tickets for some reason, and you waiting would result in a cost that is more than 35% interest. I guess you would go that route and do the payment plan, correct? Yeah. I guess that's the only way. If people really still want to travel and they're really limited on their budget and they're willing to pay more over time, but don't have the money up front. Yeah. Not my preferred way personally. I think that saving is the better route, but it's nice to know that that opportunity exists. Yeah. So Kaylee, again, did this one about juice jacking in airports. Ooh, and yeah. this is the this is the one where people are in, taking out USB chargers at the airport. You've seen them. They're right next to the regular 110 volt AC outlets. And they're specifically for charging your mobile devices. But 
people are taking the USB ports out and putting in their own that actually download all of your data off your iPhone, your Pixel, your laptop, whatever it is. This is huge. And this is new to me. I didn't, I've never heard the, the term juice jacking and I never knew that USB no. ports what could be harmful for your phone. But yeah, I mean, essentially you're plugging into their software program and you're then giving up all of your personal information, everything they need to, you know, to steal your money, you know, find out where you live, whatever it is. The, there's a very easy solution to this <clears throat> and it's to just bring the AC power, just plug into the AC power outlet instead yep. or bring a portable charger. Do yep. either of those and you're safe. I don't know, you know, beyond this article, I have not done any additional research on it. So I don't want to speak for every single USB power adapter out there, but to me, it's not even worth attempting to plug into one of these. Yeah. Just know <clears throat> that it is a possibility. And to me, this is like right. the new and updated and more dangerous version of skimmers on AT&T, not AT&Ts, ATMs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. I know what you mean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. scary stuff. And I can't tell you how many times I've plugged into public USB ports. I know. Me too. Now I'm never doing it again though. No, the one, the Philadelphia airport, when you sit at like a, a counter, they have those iPads installed right in front of you. And then they have U, USB ports throughout the entire area. Yeah. Um, yeah, can't do that anymore. All right. This next one I found fascinating and it's right up my alley uh, as, you know, from with my passion for archaeology. They found a woolly mammoth death pit in Mexico. I think Gio was really excited about that too. Yeah, I think so too. Um so they found this woolly mammoth death pit in Mexico, hundreds of woolly mammoth bones. They believe that it was a trap set up by these ancient homo sapiens that, I mean, they're not even that ancient. 15,000 years ago is not right. that long ago. And, and it was a way for them to just capture these animals and get their fur, use their fur, I'm sure use their ivory and eat their meat. Yeah. Yeah, it was like six feet deep by 82 feet long is what they measured, which is, mm -hmm. I can't imagine how many mammoths fell into that i mean and it was probably there for a long time yeah 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 I mean, really mammoths are 11 feet tall and can weigh up to eight tons i mean i don't think they need a, all of that meat at once like no yeah no you, well i mean it depends on how big the tribe was right i don't think people yeah. were in that big of tribes back then but i guess there was no way to really preserve the meat either yeah i mean well i'm not a historian though so i don't know no no it's fun to to, it's, to contemplate but it is but similarly there was an article a few days ago about a tiny puppy that was found and i still can't find where it was found uh but it was found in near perfect condition preserved in ice for eighteen thousand years yes. and scientists believe that this is potentially an evolutionary link between wolves and modern day domesticated dogs this is so cool. The pictures are amazing. I mean, it looks like a puppy. There, it, it has its fur and its teeth and everything is completely intact. And the fact that this thing is 18,000 years old blows my mind. Um, the link between domesticated dogs and wolves is also incredibly fascinating to me. That story of how, we, um, how that came to be is very cool. A, a good depiction of that is on the show Cosmos on Netflix by Neil deGrasse Tyson. I think it's like episode two. He breaks down the process of how domesticated dogs came to be. I won't, I won't give it away on the podcast, but it's something that if you're interested in, I highly recommend checking out. I'm interested in that. I might check it out. Do it. <laughs> All right. So what do we have next? Oh, big one. Big news, right? Megabus. Get a separate browser open if you're at work. If you're not at work, 
uh, yeah. feel free to feel free to pause the episode and figure it out. And then yeah. come back and listen. We'll give you a, we'll give you a few seconds after. Mega Bus is giving away two hundred thousand free tickets to celebrate Cyber Monday today. They go on sale at nine a.m. Eastern time. That is not that many tickets when you think about the area that Mega Bus covers. They give rides on the East and West Coast. The East Coast they go from Boston to Florida, so there are a lot of routes to be had. A lot of tickets, or not that many tickets, to be sold or given away geez and uh so jump on it jump on it as soon as possible if you want them and there are also routes in canada from the from ontario to the u.s too so if you're a canadian you can come to the u.s if you're u.s you can go to canada and it says the tickets are valid between january 8th and february 29th of next year i'm assuming that's 2020 not yes it's not a full calendar year you know over a full calendar year so very cool jump on that asap our next article is more of it's not necessarily news, but it's since we're a travel podcast and we want to help you guys figure out jobs if you ever want to travel. Um, this is a list of seven or eight jobs that you can travel, you can make money, and you can feel like you're making an impact for better in the world. That's what I found interesting about them. They're all related to either the environment, conservation, things like that, or they're in the medical field. Yep. Now, these are just a list of a few of them. You have a senior specialist for the disaster preparedness training for the, through the Habitat for Humanity. You have an investigator for the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, National Lead for Kids Heart Challenge through the American Heart Association, Customer Support Senior Manager through the Network for Good, Territory Specialist for Firefighter Partnerships through the Muscular Dystrophy Association, Program Manager for WCS Asia Program through the Wildlife Conservation Society, a cancer support specialist through the American Cancer Society and um, a disaster relief, or I'm sorry, a disaster response personnel manager through the American Red Cross International. And the list goes into detail of which each, what each of these positions kind of entails, gives you a little bit more information than we just did. But what I found pretty profound is that, um, I mean, it's obvious if you go into the medical field, that position is needed almost anywhere in the world. People anywhere need there's nurses. people. Yeah. I mean, we need nurses. We need doctors. We need pharm- pharm- uh, pharmacists. Jesus. Phar- pharmacists. Pharmacists. That's the word I was looking for. Yes. I mean, these are very valuable jobs and they're needed all over. So if you have a love for helping people, you are in the medical field and you want to continue or start traveling, there is, uh, there's opportunity for you to do that. All right. Lastly, and the most Ooh. fun one. The age-old question. Yeah. 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 So to me, this is like one of the age-old arguments. It's in line with, you know, is toilet paper roll under or over? Um, Was Ross and Rachel on a break? Were they on a break? And who's the best Batman? Hmm. Which we agree on, right? Let's let's take care of those three first. And then... Oh, really? Okay. 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 Yeah. Toilet paper. All right. So toilet paper, there is a definitive answer. It's always over. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. And, well... There, some people still disagree, but the definitive answer is, comes from the American Disabilities Act, where it dictates that it must be over. It's just for accessibility and being able to reach the toilet paper. Right, right. I didn't know that. That's funny. And I did ADA surveys we with did. you. We did them together. Uh-huh. That's how we met. Uh-huh. We did. We also, we also met Batman while we were doing this. Yes. It was, it was washed up Michael Keaton, right? It was. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> we gave him a dollar and we got a picture. Yeah. It was, yeah, we, we helped. So we, made a, we made a gif out of it. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do say, Jeff, I will take a hard stance on that, even if it's graphics interchange format. <laughs> if the owner, if the developer of GIF calls it GIF, I call it GIF. All right. 
were Ross and Rachel on a break? Yes. I think they were too, but yeah. we're guys, so I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, she's the one that said maybe we should take a break, and then he left the room. So should he me, have done it? No, but to me, I, that means I mean, she said yeah. it. And right. uh, who's Christian the best Bale. Batman? Yeah, Christian Bale, without a doubt. <laughs> I mean, Michael Keaton was good, but he did have nipples on his bat suit, which I haven't quite gotten over yet. Yeah. All right. When is it acceptable to recline in your seat? Is it acceptable? Period. It is always acceptable to recline in your seat. You pay for that seat. You therefore pay for the space around your seat. And if your seat has a recline button, you are then allowed to do so at your own leisure. I will only recline if there's no one behind me. Now, I get being courteous. And I try to be courteous when I do recline. I'll take note of, I'll try to take note of what the person is doing behind me. If they're in the middle of eating and they have their tray down. Then you'll put it up and down a lot. (laughs) I'll hold off and I'll wait for them to finish. Um, you know, and it depends on the flight too. If you're taking a two hour flight, fine. You probably don't need to recline, but if you're driving, driving, if you're flying, uh, internationally and you're on a five plus hour flight, you have to recline. And that's why that option is available. So you can do it. I'm surprised this is an argument, but it seems to be ongoing among the travel community. So even in the article, uh, James Lee, who is an award-winning aircraft cabin designer, Okay. Said that the gain of one person is the pain of the person behind. So then we're all in pain because everybody's recording. <laughs> I, I mean, how can you be an aircraft designer who designed the, I mean, I, did he not design the seats, I guess? Uh, how do you? I don't, I don't know. But I, I think the simple solution is just get rid of it. No, if that's the solution, then I'm fine. And I, that, that, that works for me. But as long as that option is available, I don't see how it is insulting to do it or, or you know. You're inconveniencing somebody because you when you purchase that seat, you purchase the ability to recline that seat, right? I mean, that's why it reclines. I don't know. Just because no? it's there doesn't mean you should use it. Mm, yeah, I mean, I disagree, but that's it seems to be the ongoing debate. And uh, we're curious to hear what you guys have to say. Send us an email or I'll probably post something on our Instagram page with this article headline and let's hear what you guys think. Yeah, I want to I see what the general consensus is. I want to see who's on whose side. Right. All right. So that's all of our articles, but we do have what's up next for the rest of the month. And our first guest is Melissa talking about her experience in Juneau and hiking around Tongass National Park. And we talk about the current situation with Tongass. And then we talk with Palumi, who discusses her budgeting and her time traveling in Western Africa. And then right before the Christmas holiday, you can tune in to Dylan, and he shares some of his stories as a Marine and great white researcher in South Africa. And then the last episode of the entire year for 2019 will be Kelly discussing how to house sit domestically and internationally. Yeah, all, it, it, it's funny to me when I'm looking at this list and how greatly our, our guests vary. It's pretty funny. I mean, they're just all over the board and each one of them was incredibly interesting in their own way. And we learned a ton and it's, it's constantly pretty, learning. Yeah. But it's pretty cool to see the spread here. And, you know, we have a Marine biologist, we have someone who just budget travels through Africa. We have someone who traveled the entire world house sitting. And then Melissa, who we actually Who's, talked about. Yeah. She's an occupational therapist and she travels. She's a traveling occupational therapist, which is yeah, very cool. Very cool. So we're looking forward to releasing those and we hope you enjoy them. Uh, as always, thank you for listening to the Traveler's Blueprint Podcast. We really appreciate it. Please feel free to join us on our Instagram page at the Traveler's Blueprint. You can send us an email, travelersblueprint at gmail.com or join, join our private Facebook group, uh, the Travelers, Travelers Blueprint Community, where we kind of post uh, 
behind the scenes stuff uh, here and there. So thank you.